is Existential, a podcast aimed at reminding you that it's okay to be human. We listen to human stories and human experiences, and we wrestle with issues of justice, faith, and culture. I'm your host, Corey Leak. Thanks for listening. Yo, what up, Existential audience? I ain't never, I've never done an intro like that. I'm feeling good today. I got, I got, I got my guy, the original, the original, the OG, the first episode we ever did was with my friend, Rolando Lamb. And actually we were just, we were just talking on the phone. I was like, what you doing right now? Let's <laughs> go on the podcast, man. Cause a lot has happened in the world, man, since we last sure. talked. Sure. Um, but like, I definitely want to start, uh, I want, actually, I want to start somewhere we always start that just for fun, okay? Just, just, just for fun, just to, okay. to, to have the argument that everybody has had at one point in their life, yeah, which I'm is with it. the top five hip hop artists of all time. Oh, here we okay? go. <laughs> so, all right, so we both got Jay Z in there, okay? Yeah, both of us yeah. have Jay Z in there. Yeah. And I'm just going to jump to where we part ways because I still have Drake in my top five, okay? And you always telling me Drake has no business in the top five rappers of all time. Why? Why does Drake not belong there? I just, I think this last album solidified <laughs> why he cannot be in the top five. Now, it's not to take away from the quality of the music. The quality is great. It's great music. <laughs> but that album says to me, you don't want to be top five hip hop artist. <laughs> you don't, you, that's not what you want. You have it's no just desire. not what he wants. It's not, you it's not his desire. desire. He just wants to be a. He just wants to be out there making music for TikTok. That's what, that's yeah, what that's he what wants to be an artist. That's great. That's great. Did, that's I awesome. think did, did we also disagree with Nicki Minaj being in the top five? I mean, top five female artists. I would. I would say top five. I would say top five top artists. Five, top five. Period. Top five. I don't know if I could put her in the top five. Yeah. Ugh. So, so you actually were in a former life a hip hop artist. In a former life, yes. In a former life. Like, cause that's former when, life. I, when I met you, you were a hip-hop artist. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So was, that's what... Yeah, that's I, was, what, I was a Christian. I was a Christian <laughs> hip-hop artist. So, that, so you, you know, neither one of those today. But, like... Word. We, like... Uh, so that's why I like having this conversation with, because I think hip-hop artists have a different, like, uh, barometer for, yeah. like, rap. Like, to for me, as just somebody listening to rap music, it's like, I like what I hear. But y'all will go, did they write it? Right. Um, what would happen if they like if they got into a rap battle with somebody? Right. Like, what what else what else goes in your top five criteria? Writing, battle. Yeah, I think writing. I think um, performance. Okay. So writing, performance, which that that might go that might go with battle. That might go with battle. Um, I also think impact. Just impact in terms of, you know, not just like what you do, like with the music, but what you're doing, like how, how it's impacting outside of the music, culturally speaking. That's mm-hmm. why it's hard for me to put anybody over Jay. Cause just when you look at, when you look at, sometimes I'll be listening to artists and I'm like, Jay said that 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Jay, Jay's already done this. Like, like you have it. I had it. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I don't even want it no more. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just that's why it's hard for me to put anybody like I just think his his impact is just it's just ridiculous. He just paved the way for so many of these guys. Yeah. So. I mean, and we also talk about like we've talked about hip hop, like like I come across a lot of times and we talking like like the grumpy old man, you know, because I got dogs, right. right? And right, I right. like I come off, you know, I, I hate boys. <laughs> I hate all new rap music. And we've had this conversation about like the impact that hip hop has. And I told you, I told you before, I had this conversation with my daughter. There was some rapper that got killed. And and I was like, you know, when you, uh, when you put something out in the world and it comes back to you, I obviously feel bad at the loss of anyone's life. But I also am like, I don't look at it as much as a tragedy that happened to someone as much as a tragedy that they walked into. Right. But like, I think you and I've also talked about like basically the, the nature of hip hop and its importance to the culture. Like, 
like you know what I'm saying like like what it even though there's these things that happen and these like ways that hip-hop artists talk about women or ways that they talk about violence but there's still an importance to hip-hop that like is there right right yeah um I, so I agree to an extent like when you talk about like what you put out it's like karma you know what I'm saying it's like mm-hmm. you put it out there and now you know you've made your bed and now you got to sleep in it right mm-hmm. I, I just think I think we part ways a little bit on that because my thing is you know, Tarantino doesn't get the same mm. treatment as mm. Jay-Z or some mm. of these other rappers. And to me, it's it's the same, it's the same concept, right? Just Steve. because, you know, I'm I'm rapping and I'm spitting these bars, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's actually the life that I'm leading. Right. And so I'm creating a movie, I'm telling a story. I've created, and and that's the thing too, when we look at hip hop, it's like what you see is not actually always what you get. What you see is a constructed character that's been built, and now you're listening to an album that is really just a movie that is being played out before you. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And yeah. even Jay, like Jay said that before, like I've heard him talk about how he comes up with songs, and he's like, everything I say is not true. A piece of it might be true, and I'm taking that kernel, and I'm just building off of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you, if you listen to uh, what Big Pimpin' is about, Big Pimpin' is about not, it's not about him. It's about a person in a situation that is getting out of, you know, he's basically on vacation and he's telling this whole story around that. You know what I'm saying? And so, so to me, when I look at it, I say, okay, I'm just watching a movie. I'm listening to a story. And it doesn't necessarily mean that just because somebody is saying it, it actually means they're actually out here doing that. And That's so that becomes that becomes the tragedy of it because these guys, they're just art. They're out here. They're being artists. You know what I'm saying? Now, there are people out here who are doing stuff and they out here, you know, they got their hands dirty and stuff like that. But most people, they not they not really like that. You know what I'm saying? They're not really yeah. like that. Yeah, I think they're I think I think that the Tarantino point is interesting. And, you know, you as a storyteller, like, you know, I know that I know that I know all of us and what we do in our lives, who we are. It's not just that if I say I'm a storyteller, it's not like that's what I do in some degree. To some degree, that's who I am. You know, and I've learned that I've learned that from some of our non-binary friends that it's not just about who I'm partnered with. It's a it's a worldview that I carry. Mm -hmm. So like your worldview as a storyteller it's interesting that you would look at hip hop music that way and go, they're telling a story. And I think an important story. Cause I, so I, I do think that even, even the stories of violence, like what the NWA did back in the day, I think right. those stories are important to be told because it is, it is a part of what's happening in the world. And, and art is a way that we tell those stories. I'm, I'm curious though, what you think about the responsibility that a storyteller has for the impact that they have on their audience. You know what they yeah. move because we all with content are trying to move people in a direction for the most part. I, I don't know that any of us in our content is purposeless. You know what I'm saying? It's like right. we have a reason why we get on a mic, why we write a story, why we are on the big screen. Like, yeah. what do you think the responsibility is for a storyteller for the impact their story has on the listeners or the readers? Well, I mean, my first thought is again, do we ask these same questions about movie directors and mm-hmm. screenplay writers and the people who are creating movies and TV shows? Absolutely. I don't know if we're asking those same questions to them. You know what right, I'm saying? Right. Um, but secondly, I think uh, I think the responsibility as an artist, man, I think it's it's this fine line that we that we navigate. Where yes, I do believe that there's a responsibility. There, there are consequences to what you say and, and the message that you, that you put into the world. But then as, a, as an artist, I also think, you know, there are times when I sit down to write something and I have to forget about everything other than what, is, what are the words on this page? You know, mm-hmm. so I can't worry about, you know, how people are going to take this, what people are going to think about me, you know, whatever, I have to just put the art down, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I was actually having a conversation with a comedian friend of mine 
And I sort of brought this up and I just said, you know, we have a responsibility. I said that. I'm like, we have a responsibility with, with the things that we do. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't make certain jokes or you right. shouldn't write certain songs, but you got to know if you put it out, this is how it can be received. And I feel like we all artists, we make these decisions about, okay, either I'm, maybe I'm putting this out, maybe I'm not. And the comedian I was talking to said, I don't, he said, I don't do that. Mm. He said, I get on stage and I just tell my jokes. If it comes off wrong, I got to deal with it. If mm. it goes off great, cool. He's like, but I, he said, I never, he said, I write jokes. And he said, I never not tell a joke that I write. Wow. And I thought that was really interesting. Because for me, I'm like, I agree. Like, we do have a responsibility. But I also understand from the artist's perspective, at some level, you got to forget about that responsibility. And the responsibility responsibility really comes, it becomes to the art. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, um, like when you said that, I was thinking about, um, you know, the stuff that came out with, um, what's his name? Uh, Dave Chappelle and the Netflix specials. And like yeah. the, the fact that like there were so many people from the LBGT uh, QI plus community that were like, you know, felt a way about his art stuff he was saying, you know, and, and you hear comedians talk about how, you know, these days you have to be more careful what you say and, and you know, and, and, you know, comedies and art form and a way of like us dealing with things that are happening in society, which I completely agree with. But I, I I be wondering sometimes about, and I, I did a whole reel about this on Instagram, about how people, whether it's in art or in leadership, will be like, feel a way that society has changed their art form, right? Where yeah. society has said, we are no longer accepting what, what feels like emotional or psychological bullying of people yeah. through through art. And artists going, man, I didn't mean anything by it. Or like, you know, everybody's too sensitive. Like, I don't know. I, I, I find myself at times like I lean more towards the let's be sensitive. You know what I'm saying? But I also think that there is something, there is some validity to like us saying, okay, can we figure out a way to express ourselves artistically and talk about the important things we need to talk about through all the art forms and also allow people to keep their humanity and dignity intact. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that um, for me, I'm like, I think a large part is about understanding how the art form works. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I feel like when I'm taught, like when I was talking to my comedian friend, I had assumptions about the way comedians operate. He hmm. said, no, that's not how comedians, this is how comedians do it. Um, and so, and so I think, and that's my thing about hip hop as well. And it's like, if you don't understand how the art form works, the techniques that's being used, then you may miss the actual point that the artist is trying to get across. And so sometimes I, I think with comedians, I think what happens is because we don't fully understand the technique that the comedian is using, mm. where it, you know the, the comedian is going to say almost it's almost like the comedian says the exact opposite of what they mean. You know mm. what I'm saying? And so it's like you you have to understand, okay, I see what they're doing. If you don't see what they're doing and you take everything at face value, then I think things begin to feel hurtful. It begins to feel malicious. It begins to feel a certain way. And I don't say that to, to take away from, you know, the, cause I agree. I, I think we can have both, right? We can be sensitive and we can also understand or try to understand the intention and the heart behind what's happening. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, bro. And, I, and that segues really smoothly to like the, um, what I always want to talk to you about well, well, we always naturally just talk about, but definitely, I don't know that we've really talked about it a lot on on the podcast. I think we've been on like now this is the third or fourth time. Um, I was actually thinking about this yesterday when you think about like um, thinking about the Bible, actually, because I've been thinking a lot about how Christians have used the Bible 
to support a lot of things politically in the United States, you know, whether it's the mm-hmm. Constitution or, you know, the Roe v. Wade stuff. And, and I started thinking about how the Bible is a literature, several pieces of literature, each one of which can have its own form, you know, right. like you were right. talking about, like, like if I, if I don't know the, the craft that a comedian is using, mm-hmm. then I'm just going to take their words and go, this is what so-and-so feels about X, Y, and Z. Right. This, you know, I may take a rapper's words. This is exactly, and not recognize that like, oh, actually they're doing something artistically to say something else. It's a sleight of hand kind of thing. And there's a lot of that that happens in the Bible. Whereas to like, mm-hmm. it's like, we don't, in, a, in America, we kind of get dropped into Christianity and Christians are just like, oh, the Bible is clear about this. It's like, it's not. But like, it's like, we're, you believe it's clear because you don't understand the art form. You don't yeah, understand. Yeah, yeah. You, we can't, like, you pick up a Bible or Bible app these days, most people will pick up. You don't know if you read in poetry or a historical account or, right, right. Uh, you know, someone's being sarcastic. You know what I'm saying? Because we don't, it's, it's a thousand year old art form that we don't even necessarily practice in the way they did. You know what I'm saying? Right. So you were like, you, now, the OG deconstructionist to me. Like, <laughs> you're the first person I know that, like, went on this journey that said, I am no longer exclusively Christian. And a lot of it was about what I just said. You know, like, yeah. you started to realize, wait a minute, there's some stuff that, like, we're using the Bible for that it shouldn't be used for. And we, there's some stuff we don't really understand about. It. Right. Yeah. I think, um, so I was actually... I was in a, a world building course the other day where, um, so for those that don't know, I write novels and comic books and I, you know, I deal with like fantasy, epic fantasy, and I'm creating fictional worlds. And, and so I was in a course where they sort of talked about, you know, how to build your own world and things to think about as you're creating societies and cultures. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we came across, one of the things we talked about was, you know, what does your culture, what is this, this fictional culture what are some euphemisms they use? What are some things that they that they mm-hmm. say, you know, that they mean this, but they, they use like these phrases, you know, that it connects their history and all these different things. Mm-hmm. And so I bring that up because, you know, there are times when this is how I feel, like when you read the Bible and it, it'll say, you know, it'll say something, it'll be a line, right? And to to us in modern day America, it means one thing, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if you actually went, that, and I mean, and let's forget about all the translations and all exactly. those different yeah. things, right? Yeah. Yeah. But let's say, for example, you know, you could take that exact phrase and go to that other culture. Mm-hmm. It could mean something completely different. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there, you know, there are places where you know you hold your thumbs up, and that's an insult. Whereas here, you hold your middle fingers up. That's the Exactly. Right? Yeah. So things just get lost in these these cross cultural situations. You know what I mean? Um, and so that's what I was thinking about as you were talking. I think you know, again, that's part of that crap. That's that culture. If you don't understand the culture, you don't understand you know the the context from where these things are coming from. There's so much meaning that you instantly lose. And yeah. I was I was actually thinking, I think I was talking to you, but I was thinking about, you know, when we look at conservatives, right? We look at, you know, Republicans, right? There will be, you know, this idea that, hey, you know, we got to preserve our culture. We got to preserve mm-hmm. this, this Western way of living, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then they'll pull out examples from the Bible and they're reading verse and like, well, the Bible says this and the Bible says that. I'm like, do you understand that this thing that you're holding up is not Western culture. That's not right. Western culture. Right. I was born somewhere else, and you're right. co-opting it. Do you exactly. know? That? You know what I'm <laughs> and uh, so that's crazy to think about. You feel me? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, yeah. It's, I think that, like, you know, I'm I'm fascinated by the the ways in which people will build an entire worldview with such limited information. You know about ancient mysticism you know what i'm saying and like like things that you can't see things you don't know um and and have and take such interest in it and it becomes such a real thing which is what i think is the power of story to you know i'm saying i think that's i think that's why you know i think i think a part of it you know when it comes to the responsibility you know 
who <laughs> do do like the editors and writers and preachers have a responsibility and and I think that's why I am so um critical on social media of Christianity because I do feel like Christianity has a responsibility for what they put out in the world you know what I'm saying I think any and I, I guess that's what I I do think anybody who puts things out in the world has some kind of responsibility for where it leads people at the same time I'm also like you know can you, if that's, should you just say nothing? Because I could say something that somebody could misunderstand and misconstrue right. and go out and do something crazy with it. So, I mean, I just think that, I think the whole idea of people viewing content, whether that's the Bible, a comic book, a movie, I mean, back when Columbine happened, people blamed the Matrix. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They were like, because the, the way that they did this mirrors this scene. So we've, there yeah. is something that we have that, that where we go, the content, words, actions, art, it does have an impact on us as human beings. Yeah. And man, I, I think that I just think I think it's uh I think it's interesting to think about like the effect that has. But I do want to ask yeah. you, like, bro, I don't know if I really ever did ever get to ask you before exactly what it is that led you to say, and I remember the piece you wrote that I am no longer exclusively Christian. I actually might have asked you this on the previous episode, just don't remember what you said. So <laughs> I definitely feel like we talked about well, it. I feel like I feel like this has happened before, but I I, I want to hear it again. I want to hear it, I want to hear it afresh, as they would say. Yeah. Um what what led me to basically you asking what led me to the deconstruction, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um to be honest with you, I, now that I'm thinking about it. The, the, let me tell you, the first thing I, that I remember is I was I was sitting in a in a McDonald's parking lot in the drive thru mm-hmm. and um Fit, was was McRib out? Were we doing fish fillet? What what was happening? No, we just we just do the, the double cheeseburger, you know what okay. I'm saying? The two double okay. cheeseburger combo, you know what I'm saying? Okay. I get that. Okay. Okay. We used to get that. I don't, I don't eat McDonald's no more, can't do it. Okay. Okay. But um okay. but yeah, I'm sitting in the drive thru and I and I thought to myself, I, at this point, I had actually been in the deconstruction for a mm-hmm. while, actually. And I thought, I was like, why do you still believe, why do you still believe what you believe? Why, do you, why are you hesitant to walk away from mm-hmm. Christianity? What's the main reason? And my, my main reason was that I was scared to go to hell. Mm-hmm. That was my main reason. I was scared to go to hell. And that was the moment when I said, okay, that can't be the only reason. Like, if that's the only, if it's just fear that's keeping me believing this, I don't actually believe it. Mm. And, you know, when I think back about, when I think about life and the, the life that I grew up in, I grew up in a strict Christian household. And I remember being a teenager, having conversations with people about the Bible and questioning them and asking them about, well, you know, let's talk about grace. You know what I'm saying? Well, how does grace and justice and mercy and, you know, I'm asking these questions and I was, I was on the journey at a very young age. And actually when I met you, I was on the journey. When I met you at, at the task, mm. I was on the journey and mm. I got tired. I got tired of the journey. I got tired of reading. I got tired of searching. And I said, man, I like this place. You know, the music is good. Thank you, Corey. The music is good. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to just be a Christian. And I was 19. And I just said, I'm, that's what I'm going to do. And I started doing that. But I was still bucking the system. So I would say, love is my religion. You know what I'm saying? I would say that. And that was my way of sort of trying to pull away a little bit. Because I'm like, I don't really like all these rules. I, it's just about love. Like, that's what it's about. But I was still, I was like, on the fence. And... Um, so anyway, that's a long way of saying, I feel like I've always been a little bit of a rebel. You know, I've always been a little bit of, I'm gonna ask questions. I'm a Google. I'm a, if I don't understand something, I'm like, well, why are you doing that? You know, why, what does this mean? I'm always trying to figure it out. Um, but I just remember sitting at that McDonald's asking that question and realizing I'm just doing this cause I'm scared. Mm. I'm just continuing to say, I believe these things. I'm, at the time I was preaching, you know what I'm I was like a youth director. So mm. I'm like, I'm just doing this because I'm scared. I'm scared of what my life looks like without this. Wow. And I said, I can't do this anymore because that's not fair. It's not fair to myself, 
but it's also not fair to the people that look up to me. People looking up to me saying, oh, he's such a great Christian. He's a great, you know, he's a great pastor. He's this, he's that. I'm like, I'm doing y'all dirty by not being, and, and this goes back to what you were saying before, I think. When you talk about what responsibility do artists have, I mm. think first and foremost, the responsibility is to yourself. It's to yourself, and mm. it's to the artwork. It's to the craft. And if you're not, it, I can live with ridicule and criticism if I've been, you know, if I've been dedicated to the craft and I've honored the craft the way I know that I can. Mm. But if I cheated the system and then I'm getting ridiculed, that's worse. You know what I'm yeah, saying? That's man. even worse because I didn't do what I knew I was supposed to do. You know what I'm saying? Um, man, bro. So, yeah. I think that what you just, what I just heard you say is that you as a Christian and certainly as a Christian leader decided, I, I don't want to manipulate this power structure that I no longer find valid to work in my favor because I could keep doing this thing and keep getting a paycheck if I'm getting paid as a pastor or church leader or keep having people view me as a certain type of way and, and receive all the benefits and accolades and, and praise for, for doing it. And all of that is hollow, empty, you know, and it's, it's me manipulating. It's, it's really me being, I don't even, you know, it's wild because I want to say it's being selfish, but like, well, it is being selfish and selfishness doesn't serve the soul. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I think there's, I think there's a way of, of, of honoring yourself without being selfish, yeah. which is a nuanced thing that we, you know, probably a whole nother podcast for another day. But I do think that like what you just described is there's a way to honor myself and the divine within me that, um, that checks in with myself and what I actually authentically believe. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it, I didn't know what I believed. Mm-hmm. I just knew that I didn't believe that. Yeah. And I think that's you the start, right? You start yeah, with like, you can start with like, look, I, 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 I'm not going to bow my knee to something I don't believe in authentically. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's not even from, from, from all that I've studied and read and understand about the, the core ethos of following Christ. Yeah. It's not even Christ following to do it so you don't go to hell. Right. Right. Or to do it out of fear of what would happen if I didn't. That's that's Caesar. That ain't Jesus. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 I I just think you know, as you're talking, I'm just remembering these these moments, these moments in my life. You know, I was sitting in the house and I was watching, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I think it was like the Supreme Court passed something that it allowed um, gay marriage to be legal, or it was it was something of that nature. I want to say it was like 2014, and I remember it. In, I remember it in being passed, and I was watching the TV, and I thought to myself, "I'm supposed to hate this. I'm supposed to be upset about this because I'm a Christian." And I remember thinking, "But why though? Like, why do I have to hate this?" Mm. And I just, for me, I'm, I was walking around with so much what I felt to be stress and these burdens and this tension because it's, you know, we're called to hate the things that God hates, right? And so I'm seeing these little things that don't have anything to do with me or my life. You know what I'm saying? With somebody choosing to do who they get married to, all that. I got to hate that in order to be doing the right. No, no, I don't want to do this. I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And it, you know, it just gets to that place where, and it's just so hard, man, when you, when you've grown up as a Christian, you've been raised in the church and you learn this idea of, you know, you, you're killing yourself, you're killing your flesh and you're, you're forgetting about who you are and what you want. And you're taking on this other, this other, Christ-likeness, right? And that is just so, for me, I, I can't speak for everybody else because maybe it works for, for other people. I know it works for my dad and it works for people, but for me, it just didn't work because it was just so, it was just so stressful. It was so stressful. I was always trying to fight this and fight that. And I remember my dad called me one day because I had told him, hey, you know, I'm, I think I'm, you know, I'm walking away from the faith. You know, my dad's a pastor and I said, hey, I think, I'm no longer exclusively a Christian. And a couple months went by and he called me and he said, he said, so 
what's up, man? When you, when you coming back to the church, when you going to start, you know, preaching? <laughs> and I said, um, <laughs> I said, yeah, dad, I think, um, I think I'm done. Like, I don't think, I don't think I'm coming back, you know? And he said, what? <laughs> I said, uh, I said, yeah, I said, yeah, dad. And so we started to have this conversation, this debate about the Bible. You know, he's like, well, show me this scripture. Let me show you this. Let me show you that. And I said, dad, you know, we could argue all day. You know, I enjoy debating. I enjoy arguing, you know, but at the end of the day, dad, all I can tell you is this. My life is better now that I've walked away. That's all I can say. That's all I can tell you. And that's really how it's been when I, when I let, when I let that go. And for me, it's not about letting Christ go. It's not about letting, you know, my faith go. It's not about letting any of my spirituality go. It's just letting go of the things that don't resonate with, with my spirit. You know what I'm saying? And not, it's not about a Holy spirit or anything that's outside of me. It's about this thing that's already inherently been placed inside of me. It, It doesn't resonate with that. I got to let it go. Have to. And when I let it go, it just, my life has been, my life has been better, man. It's just been better. And so, you know what, bro? <laughs> this is the whole podcast right here. <laughs> because there's two parts of what you just said that so deeply resonate with me. And I think, I feel like, I feel like there's some people listening to this right now that like it's resonating with you too. You know, you might need to pull over. Um, you know, or stop washing dishes or, or put the weights down. I don't know what you're doing, but like, <laughs> this is a moment for you. Like, I think that, you know, I cannot believe something that my spirit is resistant to. You know what I'm saying? My, like, I can't. Like, I, 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 if I'm going to be a, a full human being, and, you know, people call, you know, people in the, in the church will call this, you know, listening to the voice of God. Other people would call this leaning into yourself, checking in with yourself, whatever it is. There is something I cannot hear that thing if I honor myself, if I don't trust myself first. I have even, even, even folks that think, you know, that, that God is talking to them all the time have to believe that they have a capability and right. trust their ability to hear that. Mm. Right. And, and I think that for so, so many people, we are afraid to trust that thing mm. because we think there's such grave consequences for getting it wrong. Yeah. 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 And yeah, I think, I think of, I think of a re- really, um, I know for myself when I was, you know, living in this evangelical bubble, um, uh, as a fundamentalist, if I was really deeply honest, it wasn't hell I was afraid of. It was mm. people. Wow. It was what they would have thought, you know, I mean, I've said this many times on, on, on this podcast, like, uh, remember distinctly the same same kind of moment you had where I was like, I don't believe in people burning forever anymore. Right. And I thought there was faces that popped in my head of like, oh, man, we ain't going to be friends anymore. We ain't going to be friends anymore. We ain't going to be friends like all these people. And that was, it was more the fear of that, you know what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah. Um, than it was actually hell. Because no, no one knows what's on the other side of that. You know, nobody knows. And the other thing you said that I think is truly remarkable that I've never heard anybody say, um, like, my life was better when I walked away because what you hear from a lot of you know churches today is Christianity will make your life better. You know, like like your your life will be better. And and like you said, and I do want to ask you a little bit about what you mean when you by this in a second. You talk about it works for you. Uh, maybe for some folks it does make their lives better, but what we never hear is that there are folks who walk away from Christianity <laughs> whose life was made better because they walked away from that institution yeah, yeah. and decided to live true to themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, and the reason why I say that though is because I'm not just saying that because of how I feel. I'm saying that because of what people are seeing. Mm-hmm. After I made that decision to walk away. I went to, I was like, I was still going to church. And one of my friends came up to me and said, yo, you look like, you look happy. Like you look mm-hmm. lighter. Like, what's up? Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Look, you know, what's going on? Mm-hmm. I said, man. And we had, we had talked before about, it. I said, when I walked, when I walked away, my life got better. 
And it's freedom. Another couple months later, my wife said, "What did um she she said you know you used to get really angry all the time." She said, "You don't really do that anymore. Like why why is that?" And multiple people. I mean, when I was going to therapy, like I would sit, my therapist would say, you know, I would tell her, I would describe for her the way that I used to be, and she would say, "You don't." we don't look like that person right, you know, right now. Like we've been doing this for a couple of months now. Like you don't seem like that type of person. So I'm hearing these things and I'm seeing a stark divide between who I used to be, the way I used to operate. And now the way that I operate. And I'm like, okay, life is better now. Like it's, it's different. You know what I'm saying? Like this, so, is, this is different. I mean, and I, I think that dude, you know, uh, there's this time that, that, I forget which of the gospel writers wrote that Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light, mm-hmm. you know, and ta- and Jesus would often talk about, you know, as the story goes, would often talk about um, how the Pharisees laid these heavy burdens on people. Yeah. yeah. And you don't real. I don't think you realize you're a Pharisee until you like really zoom out and take a look at your life mm-hmm. and realize not only the heavy burden that you've laid on other people, but the heavy burden you laid on yourself. Mm-hmm. And then you start to feel like when someone lifts the burden off themselves, you start to feel a way about you more than them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what you just, we want you to describe about your dad, it's funny because the, it, it takes, I believe it takes a lot of Christians a long time to actually realize what you're saying when you say, hey, I'm actually no longer one of you. <laughs> You know, right. Like, like it's like they don't hear it the first time. It's like, like your right. dad. You told him, like, "Hey, when, when, you, when you gonna come back and preach, Dad? I told you six months ago that like I'm no yeah. longer yeah. a Christian." What you mean? Like, you say, what, what? What does that mean? <laughs> or you tell somebody like, "Hey, I don't, I don't actually believe in eternal conscious torment like that, and I don't actually yeah. know that I believe. I don't believe the Bible is is the express word of God." You know, yeah. and they might hear you. They might like initially have that initial shock, but then like the next time you say something, they're like, "Why are you saying this? What do you mean? Why am I saying this? I already told right. you." <laughs> Right, right. I said this six years ago. I don't believe this. Right, right. Why are you trying to hold me to this? You know what I'm saying? It's right. like, and this is this is the nature of Christianity in America is, is that like Christians in America don't actually want to just practice a spirituality that makes the world better. They want to force people. They want to conquest. They want to they want to force people to to live the way they think they should live with their bodies and their partners. They want to, they want to force that. They want to force kids in school to like have to pray to their God and would be outraged, Mm -hmm. outraged. If, if, if a teacher at a school led, led uh, kids to say Allah Akbar. Right. Right. Even though they don't know what those words mean, that God is great. They would like, but if you say God is great in Arabic, right. Right. It's outrageous. It's outrageous. Yeah. Outrageous. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, man, but you said this, you said this word, this this phrase, and I've used this phrase a couple of times, and and I got a friend that um pushes back on it and says it's a very Western way of looking at things, which I think is interesting, but like the idea that it works for me or it works for them. I've mm-hmm. heard this phrase before, right? That mm-hmm. that and and I think I know what you mean by it. I know what I mean by it, but could, could you talk a little bit about like that idea when you say, I'm not trying to take it away if it works for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I had right in the beginning of my, um, when I started to get to like actually deconstructing, you know, I was, I was reading the Bible and I was like, really, it started with me looking at grace and I'm like, yo, like we free, like we don't gotta, you know, be living by these rules and I'm doing all this stuff. And there was a guy who I worked at a, at a camp and there was a guy who worked with me at this camp and we would argue, we would go back and forth about grace and law and all these different things. And he was like, nah, man, we need the law. We got to follow it. You know, there ain't no room for that. Like, like, you know, God called us and I'm like, but grace, but grace. He's like, nah, the law, the law, the law. Like, all right, bro. You know what I'm saying? But, but come to find out he, I, I want to say he, um, I want to say he was bipolar Mm. and he would, he, the reason why he was so committed and dedicated to the law was because that was the way, that was what he was using. I'm getting emotional thinking about it, but that's what he was using to 
get through life. You know what I'm saying? He was using that to structure and, and organize and, and order his life. Mm. So when I heard that, I'm like, okay, I, me understanding or what I thought I understood about grace, it's like, okay, cool. If he has the grace to live how he wants to live, if he wants to live with these structures and these things in place and he needs that and that's helping him live a, ha- a happy, healthy, and whole life, I'm not taking that away from him. I'm not going to keep arguing with him about, oh, you need to change this or you, you don't got to do that. No. He said, this is how I want to live my life. Cool. You know what I'm saying? So this yeah. is how I, I want to live my life. And so when I look around, you know, I, I look at, at, at Christianity and I, I, I feel like I have a lot of compassion for, for Christians because the same way that I walked away from the faith to do what I felt was best for me, that's exactly what they're doing. And who am I to say, well, that's wrong for you? No, if that's what's best for you and you living your best life, I mean, we, I don't know the histories of every single person. So you could have something diabolical in your past and you came into the faith and now your life is completely better. I can't mm-hmm. argue with that. Mm-hmm. And these principles that you live by, this has changed your life and now you just at that point, it's no longer, it's not about heaven or hell. It's not about wrong or right. It's not about good or bad. It's about, again, to me, what works. If yeah. this is working for you and you're seeing results and life is getting better and things are great, do you. I can't knock that. You got to do what you do. Yeah, but in man. the same way, I'm not going to, I'm not, I don't feel the need to do what you're doing just because it works for you. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think, I think when I think about something working for you, is is ultimately does it give you this inner sense of peace mm, yeah, you know? yeah yeah does it yeah. give you this like like you described earlier this freedom does it give you a an ability to um walk through life with a um i would say some sort of sacred detachment you know because i was telling like um i think i was telling my kids the other day that like or maybe I'm getting older. No, I'll turn 44 next in a couple of weeks. Um, what? Yeah, I forgot. I, I, I've, I've reached the age where you forget how old you are. You know what I'm saying? Where, is, where you'd be like, how old are you? And we're like, I think I turned 42 last year, no, 43. Like. That is, that's so crazy because five years ago, I could have sworn you was 50. <laughs> I could have sworn. I just knew you was like 30 years older than me, bro. <laughs> So I uh, like, oh my God, I don't know who I was telling though about like how even if you, I think I just literally said it on this podcast, even if you don't, if you believe everything is meaningless, now I said it to you earlier, that it's still sacred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because I think that's a, that's a durable, sacred way that people have actually looked at the world, you know, and yeah. that that I think that's a worldview that for some people, allows them to like lean into something beyond, you know, cause to say, say everything is meaningless is still beyond here. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You think that there's, cause you, cause everybody knows that, that eventually we die. Right. So I think that there is a sacredness to like this separation of this world, what we see, what we know, what we can touch and knowing that there's something more, something, right. there's something else. And I think anytime you connect to that in a genuine way, it gives you a sense of peace. Yeah. I think I think some folks, to your point, are at a place in life where, and I would I wouldn't I would th- think of this more as spiral dynamics than I would at levels. Mm-hmm. I think some folks on the spiral are at a place in life where they're like, like you said, the structure, the yeah. fundamentalism gives me a sense of belonging, a sense of peace mm. about myself, helps me to get through tough times, gives me yeah. confidence that some things may work out. Even if they don't work out, ultimately it gives me the confidence that they will so I can get up in the morning yeah. and go yeah. through this life, right? Other yeah. folks don't need that. And I do think that I do think that there's a, a maturity spiritually that allows people to be on their journey that mm. I don't think a lot of fundamentalist Christians afford other people. And that, that's my... That is my one major critique of Christianity 
is that what you and I are describing is what I believe to be a healthy form of spirituality that says, if God is who we believe God is across religions and belief systems, I don't understand a God that does not aid people who are on a genuine journey mm -hmm. to wind up in the good place. Right, right. But but see, what's interesting about that, though, too, is the beauty of it is, at least for me, is that he is, God is aiding people everywhere, whether you're a Muslim, whether you're a Christian, whether you're atheist. The universe is looking out for people. You know what I'm saying? And so it, as I'm reading like these different religious books and I'm seeing these, these Christ-like figures pop mm -hmm. up, mm -hmm. and I'm like, yo, Christianity does not have a monopoly on Christ consciousness, on, on the spirit. Even, even like earlier when you said, you know, some people say, you know, hey, like, you know, I'm, I can hear the Holy Spirit or I can hear God's voice or you know, we got these different ways of speaking about it. It's the same thing. Listening to my spirit, I'm listening to it's the it's all the same thing. You know what I'm saying? And and the other thing I was gonna say too is that Osho has a quote where he says, you know, just because the bridge is useful doesn't mean you build your house on it. I'm paraphrasing mm -hmm. a little bit. But he's mm -hmm. like, some of these religions, well, he says all of these religions, they're just bridges on your journey to get you to another place. Mm -hmm. Right. And so what ends up happening is I, I forget who says this, but they say, you know, it's like the thing that we should be worshiping is not the hand that's pointing to the sun. The, the, uh, the important piece is the, is the sun, but we end up worshiping the hand that pointed us there. Yeah. Right. And so it's like we get caught up on the bridge. We get stuck on, on this thing right here, but not realizing, oh, this could be the journey. But that's the other thing, too, that I'm, that I'm thinking about with people is like, okay, you're a Christian right now. That's cool. But you're on your journey. So 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, you could be somewhere completely different or you yeah. might not. That's cool. Again, whatever works for you works for you. I can't begrudge you of that. I can't begrudge you of that. Yeah, man. I think that and I do think that's where, like, I think an authentic encounter, I don't even want to say encounter because it sounds too, like, come Oh, come to the altar. But like, I was saying like a genuine sort of like uh, journey, genuine, authentic um, connection to sacred space, to divine mm -hmm. energy, all of right. that, I think, allows you to, again, like look at human beings and go, you are a human being. Yeah, 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 yeah. Trying to figure this out like I am. Right, 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 right. And neither of us um, can say with absolute certainty what is in the great beyond because yeah. we don't know. What we do know is what's right in front of us. I know if I do something foul to you that there's that that should that there's something not right with that. Right. Yeah. If, I, if I do some harm to you, something not right to that. I know that I know that like, you know, uh, love is love. You know, yeah, I know yeah. I know that like from my own experience with, with partnership that me and my level, there's something that draws me to her. And if someone tried to legislate that I shouldn't be with Julie, I would feel a way about that. Right. Right. You know, so I think that I think those are the things that I think we can lean into and go, hey, can like you like you've said before many times, even wrote a song about it. Love love as a religion is so much better, mm -hmm. so much better than tribal religion. Yeah. That just says, hey, we write and the rest of y'all can go to hell. Yeah. Literally or figuratively, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Dude, I appreciate yeah. you, man. It's always great talking to you. I know you got a um uh uh a a graphic is it a graphic novel? Scarlet is that what Scarlet Ranger is or is, is, it's, is it it's a comic book. It's a comic okay. book. Yeah, okay. it's a comic book. Tell, so tell us a little bit about that. I know like you you know, you're doing some some urban um urban comic book writing and, and like telling stories like fantasy stories about black people, which I yeah, think is amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so right now issue two of a, it's actually a superhero comic book called Scarlet Ranger. It's about a young man who inherits the title of Scarlet Ranger from his grandfather and his great, his, his grandfather's greatest enemy breaks out of prison and begins to basically terrorize the city. 
And so we follow Deion Davis as he learns what it means to be the Scarlet Ranger. And he protects, you know, the, the city, his family, and the legacy, you know, that was left uh, for him. Um, and ultimately, ultimately, it's a story about tradition. It's about, um, it's about legacy. It's about learning how to honor the, the, the people, the forefathers, the, the ancestors that came before you, while also learning how to blaze your own trail and learning how to, you know, be yourself, um, even with, you know, the people that, that left a, a tremendous um, mantle for you. So um, we're on issue two of it right now. Um, we're almost, we actually fully funded on Kickstarter, but we got a couple of days left. So hopefully, you know what I'm saying? We get some more backers in on that. And um, it's a three, it's a three part series. So after we do the second one, it would together into like a trade and then it would be like, like a graphic novel. So, so yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. That's super dope, man. Uh, I want, I, I want to tell all, all the white folks listening to this podcast to, uh, get the Scarlet Ranger, you know, we'll, we'll have, we'll have links and everything in the show notes so you can do it. And I say that because, um, it's important that, that those of you who have parents, have parents, those of you who are parents or aunts, <laughs> uncles, whatever you are to like little ones or even anybody who's in the comic books, but we need, we need black heroes. We need like, we need people to be able to see, um, see that. And then this kind of work is not just like a fun project, although it is fun. And so, and it sounds like an amazing story. It also has, tremendous impact on the way we view the world. So dude, thanks for, thanks for that, man. Thanks for putting that out there. Thanks for putting all the good out in the world that you're putting out there. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you, man, for sure. Yes, sir. Folks, that was my guy, Rolando Lamb, and I having a conversation that I hope you enjoyed. Uh, thank you to all of you who are part of the Patreon community. Don't forget to check the show notes to uh, connect to Rowan's projects. It, it's amazing work. Thank you to all of you who rate and review this podcast. And I appreciate all of you being on this journey, helping us to contend for a better world, one conversation at a time. 